Today is Thursday, April 12th, and this is Celtics Beat on CLNS Media, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. Episode 258 featuring the Boston Globe's Gary Washburn and Matt Velasquez from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel is powered by Casper. Go to casper.com slash Celtics and use the code Celtics for $50 towards select mattresses. That's $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash Celtics and using the code Celtics at checkout. All right, Celtics fans, it is time. It is time to get going. The playoffs are here. Adam Kaufman here with you as well. This is Celtics Beat, and look, we are all excited. We're a couple of days out at this point, which gives you plenty of time to go back and really digest this because there's going to be so much information in this particular episode from both Gary Washburn of the Boston Globe and Matt Velasquez from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Extensive previews from both the C's and Bucks perspectives of round one beginning Sunday afternoon game one at the Garden, the best of seven series, and I've talked about this quite a bit on past shows. This right here isn't the best matchup. I wanted the Heat. It's not the worst matchup. I really didn't want the Wizards, so it falls right in the middle. Naturally, Celtics really should have been favored in any of those series, just two seed versus seven seed, although I think there is that talent discrepancy, particularly on the Washington side, but we don't have to worry about that right now. Maybe don't have to worry about it at all. Best player in the series, that still goes to the Bucks. Of course, Giannis Attentacumpo, in a couple of years, he's going to be potentially anyway the best player in the entire NBA, and right now, he's absolutely in the top handful, is an unreal talent, and of course, the guy that, as we all remember, Danny Ainge passed on to draft Kelly Olenek. But that's okay. It's okay. We can all get over that, and we can look ahead to the playoffs, and hopefully, at least for one round, for one year, Ainge and the Celtics can get, maybe not the last laugh, but a laugh there. The Celtics playoff schedule against the Bucks in their first playoff meeting since back in 1987, the Eastern Semis, when the Seas won that series four games to three, and they are four and one lifetime in five previous playoff series against Milwaukee, and credit to Mike Petralia, often on the Patriots podcast, for putting those stats out there on Twitter. You can always count on Drags for putting some good, useful, helpful information out there on Twitter. This playoff series, again, of course, it's a best of seven. It begins, like I said, Sunday. Game two is also in Boston. That is Tuesday night, and then it's Friday, Sunday in Milwaukee, and we'll see where things go beyond that point. We don't need to dive too deep into the schedule. You can find it anywhere. You don't need me to really uh, detail all of it. Now, this Bucks team has just miserably underachieved. I thought this is a group that, you know, at the time, led by Jason Kidd to start the year and now no longer, I thought the Bucks were going to be top four seed anyway in the Eastern Conference. Just supremely talented, beginning at the Greek Freak, and then some of the injuries, health concerns, uh, a lack of continuity. There have been so many things the coaching change that have impacted where they are in the standings, where they had to fight just to get the seven seed to begin with, could have landed the eighth, had things gone their way, could have gone sixth as well. But the fact that they weren't even in the home court conversation, I, I never would have expected that. When you have guys like Atentacumpo and Chris Middleton, Jabari Parker, Eric Bledsoe, now uh, Malcolm Brogdon, but it speaks to what kind of a dumpster fire it is there in Milwaukee, and the C's should be able to to exploit that for a number of different reasons, most especially the coaching advantage, even in spite of all of their health woes. And what the Celtics have been able to achieve, we could do an entire episode on this and then some, and maybe we will in the offseason, not right now, but what they've been able to do, Chris Forsberg 
put this out from ESPN Boston. Seas have lost 216 man games this year to injury or illness. Of course, Gordon Hayward, it's listed as 81, but really it's 82. He only played five minutes. Marcus Smart missed 28 games. Marcus Morris, 26. Kyrie Irving, 22. You're not going to see Irving again. We know that. Daniel Tice, he's not going to play again, but he missed 16. And the list, you know, it, it trickles down from there. And sure, toward the end, some of those guys just sat out for rest just to attempt to stay healthy. I mean, when Aaron Baines is flirting with a a 30-20 game in game 82 of the year and Shane Larkin is a few assists shy of a triple-double, you know exactly what kind of roster that is, no disrespect intended, but, you know, those are the the premier guys that were going against the Nets, and they go out and win that game, wouldn't you know? 55 wins, a new high under Brad Stevens, 55-27 and campaign, very successful year, more than successful, quite frankly, when you consider all the adversity they had to face. But one debate that has been going on of late that's a I find a little irritating anyway, is over whether Boston is better positioned for a playoff run right now than it was with last year's playoff roster. Which team is better? Sure, if Irving were still healthy, it's no question. But the way I look at it, even with a dinged up and obviously emotionally ailing for so many understandable reasons and physically and and all of that, Isaiah Thomas, even if you ignore the hip, which was re-aggravated over the course of that postseason, it wasn't right out of the gate. Of course, the the mouth stuff and all of that did happen and, and had to have all the oral surgery. But just roster to roster entering the postseason, there's been a lot of conversation saying this team is better. It's better defensively. Yes, it is deeper, more versatile. Yes, but that team had the star. That one had a guy capable, like an Intentacumpo, and I'm, I'm not saying he and Isaiah Thomas are at all similar, but similar in this regard. That team had a guy who could just take over the game, could blow up for 20 points in the fourth quarter, could score 30 points at will, could average 30 points as he did in the regular season. This club, absent Kyrie Irving, does not have that. And to me, that is the edge. If you don't have that guy, that to me makes this team just not quite on the same level of what last year's group was entering the postseason. Doesn't mean this one can't somehow go farther. It's unlikely, although the bracket is good. And we'll talk more about that and the teams that the Celtics could potentially face versus those that they have to avoid. But just again, team versus team, I still give the edge to last year's group that did go to the Eastern Conference Finals versus this year's group that we're just hoping and optimistic will get out of the first round. And just to get the prediction out of the way, yes, I believe the Celtics are going to beat the Milwaukee Bucks. I think it'll probably be a six or seven game series. I don't think it'll be at all easy. I think there will be so many frustrating moments, but I do think the Celtics will get through this series. I don't have any great concern about that. Part of the thing, obviously, that will help is Marcus Smart is believe what you read and hear due back to return on April 27th-ish, right around there anyway, which is the six-week mark of when he had that surgery on his hand. That's the early end. It was a six- to eight-week timetable, so Brad Stevens has come out and said, after the initial report, six weeks. Yeah, that's the expectation. Right around April 27th, Danny Ainge was on 98.5 The Sports Hub just this morning, was asked about Marcus Martin, didn't want to really commit, but did at least acknowledge, we should hopefully see this guy. I know these guys, how bad they want to play. I don't want to put undue pressure on them to come back. I know that Marcus will come back and play when the doctors and and his people and our, our staff thinks that it's time for him to play. And I don't want to put these hopeful artificial dates out there that are just guesses. I just want to wait and see how Marcus responds. But we're hopeful that he'll be able to return. We hope that we can win enough games and, and, and 
be in the playoffs long enough to see Marcus back playing, but I know that he's dying to play. So like I said, not totally committal to any specific time period, and in fact went out of his way to not be, but I, I do believe that we will, if the Celtics get there toward the end of the series or beginning of the next round, probably against the Sixers, see Marcus Smart back, and that is going to help that much more, The just the identity, the mentality of this team. I could go on and on and on. I'd much rather that we hear from our experts. It begins on the Celtics side, because why not? That's what we want. Let's welcome in Gary Washburn of the Boston Globe. Does a great job covering not only the Celtics, but the entire NBA. Gary, how's it going? Good, Adam. How's it going? Good, thank you. I appreciate it. Now, there was so much debate, I don't need to tell you, over the preferred first-round opponent for Boston before we finally found out Milwaukee's coming to town. Personally, I wanted Miami and wanted nothing to do with Washington, so in this case, I guess it's not the best, it's not the worst. But how do you view this matchup compared to the others? I don't think it's as bad as people think. Um, if you look at the two Bucks wins over the Celtics this season, uh, the first came the night after Gordon Hayward was hurt, and it was kind of a shell-shocked team. Um, they really weren't themselves that night. Um, so, I mean, you can, you can, you know, obviously it's a well-earned victory, but considering the circumstances, you, you totally understand the Celtics not playing as well. You know, this, the, uh, the second win was last week when they lost by four, but they didn't have to even have Terry Rozier. I mean, they were mm-hmm. literally, you know, playing Shane Larkin and could, you know, I don't know. Larkin was out. I'm sorry, Adam. Yeah, Keenan Allen started at point guard yeah. in that game. <laughs> so, um, and this, the, you know, the Bucks won by four. The Celtics made a bunch of mistakes. They easily could have won that game uh, with a couple of plays. I think they missed uh, 16 three-pointers that night. They missed some real key shots, a couple turnovers. So, I mean, you know, this is not a juggernaut of a team. The Bucks are wildly inconsistent, as we've seen the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this team is beatable. Obviously, Giannis Antetokounmpo is uh, an amazing player, a physical freak, uh, the ability to take over a game in a sense. But if you let him get his, but you contain guys like Chris Middleton, Jabari Parker, I think you'll have success. I obviously want to talk a whole lot more about the Bucks, but just staying central to the Celts for a second, they won that last game against the Nets, played virtually no one, but on the whole, they're banged up. They kind of limped into the postseason. How concerning is that, just how fragile this group is right now? Well, I mean, this is who they have. There's no one, I mean, maybe Marcus Smart comes back from a potential game five or six or something, at best case scenario, but this is who they have. And they just tried to kind of patchwork the lineup to keep everybody healthy to, just, to make it to the end. So I don't know if there's a concern amongst the Celtics. I just think that they just understand this is they're going to have to play hard. They're going to have to play great defense. They're going to have to get scoring out of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum as well as Al Horford and Marcus Morris. So um, they're just going to have to do this by committee, and we'll see what they have in them. I think they have enough talent to win a series, um, and then we'll see what happens if they were to face Philadelphia. How prone do you think the Seas are to getting upset in round one? I mean, I think it's definitely a possibility – um, you know, if you lose one of the two games at home in Boston, then suddenly you're in a series. But, you know, last year they lost the first two games at home in Chicago, <laughs> and everybody was uh, gloom and doom, and then suddenly they came back and won the next four. But this is obviously a, a dramatically different team. Um, I think you definitely have to defend home court. 
uh, try to sneak a game in Milwaukee. You know, I, I have never been to Milwaukee for the playoffs. Um, you know, it can be a kind of a bandbox. You know, it's their last year in this small arena before they move across the street to a new one. So it could be some sentimental value there. But, I mean, they should be able to get a game in Milwaukee. I mean, you know, this is a team, if the Celtics play the way they're supposed to play, they should win this series in six. You already brought this guy up, and he's everybody's biggest concern about the Bucks, and that's clearly Giannis Antetokounmpo. Without Kyrie Irving, he's the only one in this series who can just outright take over a game. He averaged 34-11-5 in four meetings this year against Boston. So how can the Seas hope to contain this guy? You just got to let him shoot, make him shoot jumpers, and if he hits them, then you just got to tip your cap. If he gets to the basket, if he if he does one of these, you know, where he takes two steps to cover about 20 feet and then dunks, it's just going to be a long night. I mean, they're just going to have to, you know, plug up the middle, you know, force him to shoot jumpers. That's what teams do. They let him shoot that 18, 19-footer. If he happens to make it, you know, you're just going to have to accept that. You're going to have to, you know, uh, basically stop him from getting to the basket you know, or you could let him get his, but then you can't let Chris Middleton go for 26. You can't let Jabari Parker come off the bench and score 20. I mean, that's been their problems over the last couple of years is that guys like Malcolm Brogdon have hurt them or, or Middleton. You know, guys have, have, have other guys have, have hurt the Celtics when they played the Bucks. So if I'm the Celtics, either you literally just let Giannis kind of have his, but you – but you don't let Middleton and those guys get going, or you play much better defense against Giannis, let him shoot jumpers. Do not let him get to the basket. So obviously the Bucks have the edge when it comes to star power. You might even say with some of those other names you mentioned that they're kind of top-heavy, but how about depth? Would you give the Celts the advantage there? Well, yeah, but, you know, Milwaukee, you know, has, you know, they, I mean, they got veterans coming off the bench, guys like, you know, Jason Terry. I mm-hmm. mean, they, they I mean, you know the the Celtics do have the depth. Um, the Bucks have big bigger guys. You know you've got a John Henson. You got you know former Celtic Tyler Zeller coming off the bench. I mean I mean the Bucks are a decent team when it comes to depth, but they just don't. You know they play ugly. You know they play ugly. Um, they're not gonna they're not gonna bombard you with threes. You know so they're just gonna you know and and a guy like you can't let a guy like Tony Snell get going. I mean they just. The, the Celtics basically just have to play a, a fundamentally sound series, play strong defense, and hit some shots. And I think they'll, I think they'll be fine in this series. Um, they're going to have to get you know production from the bench. They can't let the bench come in and have these long scoring lulls. You know the bench struggled at times this year, and especially now without Marcus Smart, uh, it could be even worse. But you know guys like Shane Larkin are going ha- to have to step up. You know, I mean, they're just going to they're going to they're going to need a combined collective team effort. Well, so without Irving, where's Boston going to lean offensively? I mean, can Jason Tatum handle carrying a larger load? Can a guy like Jalen Brown or certainly a Marcus Morris, can these guys be more consistent offensively than they have been? I think, it's, yeah, I think it's going to, like I said before, I'd be by committee. Um, I think it's going to be a game where Jalen gets going, get, and they're going to need more from Al Horford. They're going to need, they can't have like, you know, 9.6 rebounds hmm. and a few assists. I mean, they've got to get 16, 17 from Al. You know, Baines has to score around the rim. You know, Baines has had trouble. I mean, you know, he gets the ball at the rim, he'll get blocked, he'll miss a little short jump hook. I mean, he's got to be more efficient around the rim. I mean, they're, just, they're going to be, need to be more efficient in this series. 
You know, Milwaukee doesn't have real imposing bigs. I mean, Henson and Zeller, but they're there. You know, um, but they're gonna the Celtics gonna have to win this series by committee. You know, they're gonna need Marcus Morris to hit those mid-range jumpers. You know, they're gonna need Rozier to be a spark plug offensively. You know, he struggled toward the last couple of weeks of the season. Um, so they're gonna, it's it's gonna be by committee. Well, Rozier's struggles of late, as you said, last handful of games, maybe not even quite that. You can kind of match up with that ankle injury. How plagued is he by that right now, or is he just in a rut? Um, I think it's a combination of everything. I mean, he's had injuries to both hands also, so I think he was good that, you know, they gave him they gave him a, a break last night, and, you know, he was able to get some rest, and, and you know, they, they're going to really need him. But they're not going to need you know, chucking up three Terry off a, off a fast break. They're going to need efficient Terry, you know, run the offense, you know, as well as score. I mean, a lot's going to be asked of him. I mean, it's a big big series for Terry. I mean, he's could be due an extension this summer. He wants to show that he can be a starting NBA point guard, and this is his opportunity. In some ways, are the Celts more prepared for, for a series like this, an opponent like this, than they would have been without so many injuries. And not to discount, you know, the the more significant ones they've had, but just the way they piled up one after another throughout the year where guys like Shane Larkin, who, you know, coming into the year you would have looked at and said, I'm not even entirely sure why they're signing this guy, let alone what kind of role he's going to have on this team. And then all of a sudden plays, obviously, a relatively significant one as the season went along. Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the thing. I mean, literally, they played, you know, they played 22 games without Kyrie Irving. That's a that's a fourth of the season. Right. So they're used to playing without him. Um, and right, I think the, the the plethora of injuries that they sustained has probably tr- prepared them for this for this uh, you know opportunity. I mean, guys. Have, I mean, let's face it. You know, we we had no idea that Simi Ojale and you know Gershon Yabaselli in some some situations and Abdul Nader were going to play such mm. key roles. In, in, in significant roles on this team coming off the bench. And now, you know, they're really, as the, you know, the cliche is, oh, they're no longer rookies. But, yeah, this is this is mid-April now. So um, they should be used to playing in big NBA games. And I think that, you know, the, through the course of the season, has been a great training ground for them to prepare for this because now they're not going to be afraid of the moment. You're not thrusting guys who – basically set the bench all season in the pivotal roles for the playoffs. Like These guys are used to playing. You talked about Al Horford, and as you said, I mean, he was the Celtics' best player in the playoffs last year. He's been very hot and cold this year. He is an all-star. People can quibble with that distinction all they want, but he is an all-star. How does he flip the switch to become the guy that he was in the postseason last year? Well, he's got to start shooting his three more. I think he passed some, definitely passed some shots up toward the end of the season, be a little bit more efficient um, around the rim. But also, you know, he's just got to basically be more aggressive. And I know that there's been situations where he's facilitated the offense and played this kind of point-forward thing, but he's got to take – he's got to be a little bit more selfish offensively and take take his own shot, you know. And, and I think, I mean, he's a good shooter. He's a good mid-range shooter. He's a good around the rim and good at the three-point line. So take advantage of your strengths and, and be more aggressive. And that's what I think he has to do. He has to kind of be more of a, of a more assertive offensively. 
other than coaching, which really goes without saying, where do the Celtics have the edge in this series? Uh, you talked about, you know, just one key for the green going out and being systematically strong. I mean, that's been a real weakness this year for the Bucks. They're kind of lacking discipline and all over the place a lot of the time. They've gone through a coaching change. There's been a lack of continuity with so many injuries with that club as well. Where do the C's have the edge? I think definitely just with uh, their cohesiveness, obviously with coaching, schemes, defensively, um, you know, but the Bucks, as as you say, I mean, it, you know, when you have the best player in the series, you always have a chance, and Giannis is the best player in the series, and so that's, that makes him very dangerous, but the Bucks are just so wildly inconsistent. There's nights they show up, and there are nights they don't. Like, let's face it, like, they literally got embarrassed on Wednesday against Philadelphia. I mean, okay, you might want to lose because you don't want to move to the sixth and play. You want to play Boston, but, I mean, literally losing by 40 points, I mean, it's embarrassing. They lost at home to Brooklyn um, a couple of days ago. I mean, this is a team that, you know, they, you just don't know what to expect in Milwaukee. But that's, you know, why all these teams are the six, seven, and eight seeds because they're so wildly inconsistent. The Wizards are the same way. They beat the Celtics uh, Tuesday, lose to Orlando Wednesday, you know, Miami is up and down. You know, these are why these teams are flawed. So this is not a flawless team. You're not playing a team like a Toronto. This is the first round. You're playing a team, when you're, if you're the Celtics, that it has its share of flaws, that barely won half its games, you know, 43 and, you know, 44 and 38. You know, not a sparkling record. So there's some flaws and weaknesses there, and you just have to exploit them. While we have a moment, I want to tell you today's episode is brought to you by Casper. Casper is a sleep brand that makes expertly designed products to help you get your best rest one night at a time. Do you know that humans spend one-third of their life sleeping? That's why you need to shop with Casper. Casper mattresses are designed by humans for humans. They're built to mimic human curves, providing supportive comfort for every body type. The original Casper model combines multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface with the right amounts of sink and balance. Casper also offers two other mattresses, the Wave and the Essential. The Wave features a patent-pending premium support system to mirror the natural shape of your body. The Essential has a streamlined design at a price that won't keep you up at night. And all of this is designed, developed, and assembled in the U.S. Casper makes life easy for the consumer. Affordable prices, hassle-free returns, and free shipping and returns to the U.S. and Canada. And right now, my listeners, get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash Celtics and using my promo code Celtics at checkout. That's $50 towards select mattresses by going to casper.com slash Celtics and using the code Celtics at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. You know, Gary, one area the Bucks are very consistent, consistently bad, is on the glass. I mean, they're they're horrible, 30th in the NBA. Do the Celtics, though, have the manpower to exploit that? Is is a guy like Greg Monroe suddenly a whole hell of a lot more important? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, one, I think for him, he definitely uh, relishes facing his old team because they kind of, you know, discard him. They sign him to that big three-year deal, three-year, $50 million deal. Then suddenly, after about a year and a half, it, you know, he was – kind of, uh, you know, sit out the pasture. So, uh, yeah, I think he becomes big in this series because they don't really have anybody to stop him. I mean, you can, try to, you can try to use Zeller against him, you know, but, you know, Monroe should have his way in the middle. But, yeah, he's going to have to grab more boards. Haynes, I mean, Baines is going to have to be more consistent. You know, um, 
and grabbing rebounds. I mean, he's just going to have to – the two bigs are going to have to, to be better, especially in Al, too. I mean, they're going to have to get those rebounds, no second-chance points. I think, um, you know, in the last game, the, the four-point win for Milwaukee, I mean, they, were, they burned the Celtics. Um, on second chance points, Zeller and Henson and, and Giannis and those guys are able to get get you know offensive rebounds. That can't happen in this series. You talked about Marcus Smart earlier. How big a difference does he make the last couple games of this series if the Celtics are able to get him back in the first place after all that time off and, and a little bit of the rust factor? Yeah, I don't know how much of a difference because let's face it. I mean, he's coming off six weeks off. Is he in shape? Could he help a little bit? Maybe. Yeah, 15 minutes, get a steal or two, facilitate the offense, provide some stability. But I, I wouldn't expect too much out of Marcus if you if you return. I mean, you're talking about, I mean, yeah, you know, you can you know run as many sprints and play as much five on five. There's nothing like basketball shape, and that's going to take some time. And how many practices are is he going to participate in before he's ready? I mean, I would assume during the playoffs it could be one just you know one practice. Um, then he'll be. Then he'll. You know, they'll have to throw him out there when he's when he's healthy enough. So I, I would say, you know, a, a moment or two for Marcus. But I, I just can't see him playing 28 minutes and getting five steals in his debut. Are the C's kind of playing with house money at this point? I do think they need to win this series. I think once they're past this series, uh, they're sort of playing with house money. I think a, a first round elimination to a team that's as flawed as Milwaukee would be a disappointing uh, ending to the season, regardless of the injuries. I mean, this is a team, I mean, as I said, you're, for, you're facing a team that's 44-38. and 38. Um, Now, if they, uh, you know, I would say if they were to face Washington, you know, and they lost in seven, I think people would kind of understand that because Washington has, you know, two all-stars, you know, and Otto Porter, you know, and a guy like Markeith Morris. But um, in this situation, you're talking about, Giannis and basically Chris Middleton and Jabari Parker coming off the bench, you know, who can score, but, you know, really can't do much else. He's not a great defender. So I think this, this, this series should be winnable for the Celtics. Uh, I think there would be a level of disappointment if they lost this series. You talk to these guys frequently, obviously, and even some of them, uh, Marcus Morris comes to mind uh, among others that have come out and, and not been too shy about the fact that they feel a little disrespected. People kind of picking against them, not necessarily in the series, but over the course of the year and saying, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that after injuries, all going back to when Gordon Hayward went down in the first game of the season. I imagine they're all the more enlightening and and interesting when the tape recorder is not on. You know, how disrespected do these guys feel to a man? Well, I mean, I think any NBA player knows that they're a professional and they read all the clippings, they go on Twitter you know they watch you know all the sports shows and your show and and you know and they know that people are counting them out because Kyrie's out and they I mean I think that's a natural to be disrespected and I also think you know Marcus is a guy who's fiery who understands that he felt disrespected throughout his career this is a guy who was supposed to be a real difference maker in this league and he he got off to a slow start so he he feels that people don't respect his game so it's it's only natural for Marcus to feel disrespected for for Terry, you know, a guy, you know, I think people called it the worst pick of the first round when he was drafted <laughs> 16th overall. I mean, these guys have played with chips on their shoulders throughout their careers, so now you're telling them, you know, without their superstar, they can't get it done. They're 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 uh, you know, 
they're going to just fall flat. So, yeah, I would think for sure that's going to motivate them. And I think that should play a factor. You know, that home crowd, game one, Sunday afternoon, you know, um, you know, 1 o'clock start, I think the, 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 the people will be fired up. Because I think they know, Adam, how important that first game is. You know, make a statement, punch them Milwaukee in the mouth, get that first one and put them on their heels and then try to get game two and then try to take this series. You know, Gary, away from the Bucks, even one benefit for the Seas, and your colleague Adam Himmelsbach put this out on Twitter after that Nets game, it's it's definitely the bracket. You know, they won't have to deal with the Raptors, Cavs, or Wizards before the conference finals, provided they can get there. But the, I guess the flip side of that coin is the Sixers sort of look unstoppable at the moment. Yeah, I mean, it all depends on what Sixers team comes to the playoffs, you know. Um, the Celtics had success against the Sixers this year. They lost, They won three times. You know, with Simmons, I think they beat him once uh, without Embiid. They beat him, at, you know, beat him up pretty good in London after that big second half comeback. So they've had success, but we don't know. I mean, the, the two teams haven't played literally in in almost two and a half months. So this new Sixer team, though, with Markel Fultz now contributing and Simmons playing at a at a really really high level. We don't know this team. We've never seen this team in, in face the Celtics, so it should be interesting. You know, um, that could be a, obviously a, a very competitive series. So, but I think if you're the Celtics, yeah, you're happy with the draw. Milwaukee's not a, a, a an amazing team. You know, you'd rather face them than Washington, and then you get Philadelphia, and then you know you'll either deal with Cleveland or Toronto. But you won't have to deal with both Cleveland and Toronto. That's the one thing, Cleveland, Toronto, if they were to meet in the second round, you know, they're going to, you know, you're hoping if you're the Celtics that they beat the heck out of each other in that series and then, you know, limp into the conference finals. But first, you know, you got to get past Milwaukee and potentially Philadelphia. What's your prediction on that series, the Celtics and Bucks? I think the Celtics are winning six. I mean, I, 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 I just feel like having watched all four games and, you know, Seeing what the Bucks bring, and, and that last game, Adam was a real indicator. That it was a full, you know, the Bucks are missing Brogdon and Delavadova. They should come back sometime soon. But that was a pretty stacked Bucks team, and they had a trouble with the Celtics without Rozier. They were not spectacular. I was not all that impressed, but I did think that you can't let Giannis and Middleton both get going. You gotta, you gotta contain one of those guys. If the Celtics do that. Um, I think they win the series. couple last things for you here. Just big picture on this Celtics team. How remarkable is it seeing this group win 55 games despite all the injuries, all the youth, all the plans that really went awry five minutes into the season? You know, I think it's been a successful season. I think it's been a season that's, you know, you can count all, you know, you can count as a, as a success in terms of just uh, what the team able to, able to do. I mean, you know, not only one game from Gordon, but, you know, 22 missed games from Kyrie Irving. I mean, you know, you thought he might play 70, 75, but, you know, he played 60. I mean, this team has done remarkably well. And they've, what they've done is they've prepared themselves a lot for the future. Now, you know, you got a guy like Simi Ojale who can now be a contributor for a long time to come. You know, you've got a guy, you know, maybe next year like a Jabari Bird that you, you've thrown him into the fire and could, like – you know, even Abdul Nader, they've thrown guys into the fire. You figured out what you need. You probably need a dominant big somewhere, either in free agency or the draft. 
next year. Um, but you you figured you've given the guys behind Kyrie and, and Gordon a chance to flourish. Then you bring a healthy Gordon and Kyrie back next year. So you focus on next year being that year. Last thing, and uh, look, I'll, I'll limit this to one question because we could spend an hour on this particular issue, and it's really outside everything that we're talking about. But there was a report that uh, apparently a reporter spoke with Dwayne Wade, and Wade said that he believes Kawhi Leonard is going to get dealt this season, this offseason, to the Celtics. Now, that has been out there. Jalen Rose spoke about it a week or two ago. With everything that you've heard or just speculate on your own around the league, do you think Kawhi is getting dealt, and do you think Boston is a realistic possibility? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, it all depends on what the Celtics think of Tatum and Brown and whether you think the combination of those two is not as good as a Kawhi by himself. I would not personally trade those two for Kawhi. I just think I'm not – and I think it's Kawhi's an amazing player – but you're giving away two potential cornerstones, two guys who could be, you know, all stars. And I mean, for Kawhi coming off an injury, and you don't know quite what you're going to expect from him moving forward. Um, but I, you know, I do think things in San Antonio aren't good. You know, do the Spurs offer him that supermax contract that he that he wants? That'll be interesting. But I just don't see him in a Celtic uniform. What if you didn't have to give up both? I know I said one question, but what if it was Tatum or Brown and then Horford's contract, It's maybe it's that, that Kings pick next year. It's some combination, but it's only one of the cornerstones. I mean, I think then you'd obviously have to think about it. I think then you'd have to really consider it. You know, if, you know, if they do want the, the, the Horford deal, if they do want that pick, if, 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 if they really want to kind of start over, you know, and then, and not completely reboot, but take a step back, mm-hmm. but get younger and get a you know a lottery pick in there. I mean, yeah, then I think you have to consider it. But you know, I said if, I, if they're asking for both, and, I, and that's what I would do if I'm the Spurs, I'm asking for both those guys. Hmm. I'm not giving that up. All right, Gary Washburn from the Boston Globe does a great job covering the seas and the entire league, as mentioned, and uh, should be a fun series, Gary. I'm sure I'll talk to you again down the line. Hey, thanks, Adam. So there was a lot there with Gary, both related to the playoffs and not toward the end there, and and that stuff, the Kawhi Leonard stuff, we can wait on the offseason for that. Let's get the Bucks perspective on this series from a guy who does a great job. Matt Velasquez hopping on with me now from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Matt, what's up? I'm great. How about you? I can't complain. Obviously an exciting matchup coming up between these two teams. And, you know, around here, fans and many in the media actively rooted for a first-round meeting with the Heat. Didn't happen. Bucks were jockeying for seeding with the Heat and the Wizards. Was this the matchup Milwaukee wanted, though? Uh, in terms of fans, I think I think so. I think that's one that fans and, and people around town would probably talk about as, as one that, that might be better for the Bucks. Uh, I think as a team... Um, they really weren't in any position to dictate who they were going to play. They, they would lose all the tiebreakers uh, to the Heat and the Wizards. And, you know, when you look at the, the way the standings were, they needed, uh, you know, they were in sixth place alone, and they needed losses and, and it, it wins and a certain combination of those uh, by the Heat and the Wizards in order to get to the seventh spot. So, you know, they uh, you know that, that, that's how things fell. It's not that they could have controlled that. Uh, with all those games happening at the same time, but that's how it worked out. Um, but, you know, definitely around, uh, around Milwaukee, people were, were pointing to Boston as one uh, as a team that might be a, a better matchup for the Bucks. 
Well, you know, most people couldn't pick Joe Prunty out of a lineup. Frankly, I'm not even sure if I'm saying that right. I think it's Prunty, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's Prunty. All right, well, he's done well. 21-16 since Jason Kidd was fired. How different is this team under Prunty's watch as opposed to Kidd's? Uh, not very different. Um, I mean, Prunty was an assistant with Kidd uh, the whole time Kidd was in Milwaukee. Um, so they're running, you know, virtually the same things. So there's a couple little wrinkles that are different. Uh, from from kids' time to Prunty's time now, uh, I think one difference is that the Bucks are healthier now, um, which is something that kids couldn't really control. Um, you know, Jabari Parker's back, and they have different different players and different combinations that they can use. Um, but but they're they're playing kind of the, the kind of the same way and doing the same stuff. Uh, the defense is maybe a little bit less aggressive than than it was under Kid, um, so there's, there's more switching and less trapping. Um, but it's it's not such a, a huge difference um, that, that you would say, oh yeah, Prunty like, has totally changed things. I think it's it's pretty similar, and they've they've been pretty consistent about what they do and who they are. How significant a disadvantage does Prunty have as a rookie head coach next to Brad Stevens, though, when it comes to approach, game planning, in-game adjustments, all of that? Yeah, it's definitely uh, you know, uncharted waters for him. I mean, he's been in the league for 22 years. He's he's been an assistant under Greg Popovich, and he's been um, you know, obviously to the playoffs many times. He's been on a part of championship teams, so he's no stranger to the playoffs. Um, he definitely has, you know, a wealth of experience when it comes to being involved in high pressure situations, um, you know, with good teams in playoff situations and uh it's just this is the first time he's had to make all the in game uh decisions. Um so I mean he uh definitely like you said, he's he's got a little bit of a you know, an experience factor in terms of being a head coach, especially going up, going up a uh, coach, you know, uh, as well regarded as Brad Stevens. But it's not like he's coming in there totally blind. He's not a total rookie, I guess. Sure. Bucks have the biggest star. That's clear. But they're not terribly well disciplined. So how prepared is this group collectively, do you think, for the postseason? You know, they, um, you know, they, they know that they need to play um, play together if they're going to win. Obviously, to be honest, Kumbo is is a fantastic talent. He's an all star. He's the only all star they have. Um, you know, he is going to be considered in the uh, in the MVP voting in terms of getting placed in people's top five. Um, and I think that you know it's not just about him. He needs he needs everybody else to be at their at their best level. And they know that when they're at their best, when they're moving the ball, when they're getting good shots, and they're uh, you know playing team defense. And so as long as they can do that, you know, they'll, they'll believe that they have a shot. Um, but once they slip into kind of being selfish, um, kind of taking turns with ISO ball, uh, guys not getting back on defense, not bringing the, the level of intensity that you, that you want, then, then they get into trouble. Um, which you would, you would expect that in the playoffs, there'd be less of that from everyone. Every team, you know, would, would play with that kind of urgency, uh, every play, uh, knowing what's at stake, knowing that the, the playoffs are, are kind of whatever it strives for and where you need to be at your best. You've watched Giannis Antetokounmpo all year and beyond, obviously. He had his way with the C's in four meetings. How can he be limited, though? I mean, what's the secret to slowing this guy down? Well, I think when, when teams have slowed him, slowed him down, um, they've they've definitely, you know, kind of created a wall with two or three guys, uh, especially in transition, trying to stop him from getting into the paint and getting easy drives. Um, defenders have... Uh, stayed vertical in those situations and, and challenged him uh, without fouling. And sometimes that can frustrate him if he's not getting foul calls on 
plays where he thinks you should. Um, and then if you can kind of throw multiple guys at him and be physical uh, and force him to shoot mid-range shots, um, that's going to be a better bet for you uh, than uh, than letting him get to the get to the hoop because when he gets to the when he gets the chance to to make an attempt up close, you know he's going to score more often than not. But his his mid-range shot uh, is, isn't as good. Uh, it's definitely something he would need to work on. Um, so if you, if you can try and keep him away from the paint, uh, you're going to be better off. Is he mature enough at this stage to carry a team to a series win? I think so. Um, I, I think he's, you know, this is his third time in the playoffs uh, in five years. Um, you know, he's, the Bucks have gone to, to game six twice. You know, he's, he's been the, the man really for only one of those. He's still he's a key part of the, of the first playoff trip uh, a couple of years ago. Um, and so, yeah, I think he's mature enough to, to do that. I think the question is um, just as a team, you know, being able to play at a high level and, and get the most out of everyone. Uh, you know, for enough games to win four. Do you think there's an element, you know, we talked about it earlier, obviously, the fact that obviously fans around Milwaukee wanted this matchup, not that the Bucks themselves necessarily had all that much control over it, but to a man inside that locker room, even off the record, I mean, do you get any sort of vibe from those guys that, okay, as we look around at the different possibilities, could have been the Raptors. We don't want that. Could have been the Sixers. The way that we're playing or they're playing probably didn't want that either. This Celtics team, you know, these guys are depleted. These guys are are, are ripe to be taken advantage of. This is the matchup that we want. This is us now feeling good going into this series. Yeah, I mean, I, I asked like, Chris Middleton last week, or I, I asked on Saturday, I said, if you could pick where you go, you know, what, do you have any preference? And I didn't know if he'd answer that question, but he was like, well, everybody knows what's going on with Boston. Like, not that you could take them lightly, but, you know, if a team is dealing with injuries like that, it's probably a better bet than other places. Um, you know, and I know last night in the locker room, the, the Heat and Raptors were still playing, and they weren't sure uh, where they were going to go. And then, uh, you know, one player said, oh, you know, 20 seconds left. Way to go, Heat. Hmm. Um, you know, by, and by the Heat winning, the Heat move up to the six to play the Sixers. Yep. And the Bucks move down to seven. So. You know, but you know, I, I asked multiple guys about about the matchup, and, and all of them, you know, to a man, were like, you know what, we know about the injuries, we know about the situation, but they still got a really good team. They still got, you know, you know, a couple of young guys that are that are really good. They've got, you know, an all star and, and Orford, um, you know, and, and they, you know, they've got the best defense in the league uh, over the course of the season. So obviously, it's something that, you know, you can't take lightly. You can't really think that, oh yeah, we got the the Celtics, they got all the injuries. There's no Kyrie, they got this. Um, you know, they're, they're not approaching it that way, you know, especially coming off a 35-point loss to the Sixers last night. So in a league as, as fun and petty as it is and, and drives social media crazy, these guys wouldn't go so far as to give real bulletin board material then? No, no. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure Jason Terry you know, said, if you think you're just going to walk into Boston and beat the Celtics, then, then you're crazy. Like, it's, it's not that easy. It's just not how it goes. Jason Terry uh, still have so, that tattoo, by the way, of, uh, of Lucky in the championship trophy and everything. Uh, I believe so. <laughs> didn't that uh, one didn't yeah, work out totally real sure. well for him? Yeah, I'm not totally sure. Um, yeah, I, I can I can tell you some other tattoos he has, but I I, I I have to check again. How much pressure is there on guys like Jabari Parker and Eric Bledsoe to prove their worth? I mean, Parker obviously he's looking to cash in in free agency. Bledsoe wants to show that he was worth giving up a first-round pick for. I mean, these are the guys that I feel like aren't getting nearly enough attention because of the Greek freak. 
Well, I think Bledsoe, he's been fantastic uh, since the All-Star break. I mean, he's he, especially in, there's been some fourth quarters of games where, you know, he's been really closing it out, and he's, he's kind of had that killer instinct. Uh, and, you know, uh, he's really complimented uh, Giannis well. Um, and so he, the, the Bucks will need him to continue that high level of play that he's had, whether, you know, Giannis has played or he hasn't played. Because there's been a couple games recently where he sat out with a sore right ankle. Um, and, and so Bledsoe, he's, if he can just continue doing what he's doing since the All-Star break, you know, that, that's, that's basically what the Bucks will need. Um, when it comes to, to Jabari, um, he, he's been coming off the bench. Uh, that's probably something that he'll continue to do, but he's been getting basically starter minutes, uh, you know, playing 25, 30 minutes a game. Um, and so just his, his biggest thing is the Bucks need him to not just play, you know, offense. Nobody knows he can score, but they need him to play defense. Um, that, that's been an issue for him ever since he got into the league. Um, just that he's been a liability on that end. And so if he can, you know, be locked in every possession, and, and, and know what he needs to do, and know where he needs to be, and, and, and give that effort to get to get to his spot, to, to defend his guy, to keep an eye on cutters and all that type of stuff. Um, that's going to help them immensely because right now teams know that he's he's kind of one of the weak spots of the defense, and they can kind of attack him and, and get him lost, get him turned around, um, and, and exploit that. So yeah, he's going to play big minutes, and he'll play more minutes if he's playing uh, tough, engaged defense. Will continuity be a, a problem at all for the Bucks since they're just getting guys back from injuries like Malcolm Brogdon, Matthew Delvadova, Thon Maker? I mean, these guys either just coming back, haven't been back very long. This group in general has not been together a bunch, especially under this coach. Uh, you know, I, I think that some part, part of, something that'll help that is that they brought back mostly the same team from last year. Um, so that they're going to be able to have that. I think a guy like Delvadova, um, he he's pretty involved, pretty cerebral, cerebral with the game. I think Brogdon too. Those guys both have been watching film and staying close to the team. They know what they're expected to do. Um, they know where they need to be in different sets and, and, and different situations on defense. Um, so yeah, there's definitely a learning curve, um, and there's a, you know a need to get back into the rhythm and flow of the game. But I think that they can kind of uh, make it ground pretty quickly. Um, I think just for the Bucks, they're just glad that they'll have that depth now um, where, you know, they, they had signed Brandon Jennings, who had been playing in China uh, earlier this season. They signed him uh, back in, in March, and he's had to get, a, you know, some pretty significant minutes at times because he's the only backup point guard they had. Um, and now you can actually, you know, run Brogdon out there. You can run Delhi out there. And, and those guys are going to give you a better opportunity to win in, on most nights. Uh, so having that depth and being able to kind of cycle through guys and, and play the matchups and, and get the, you know, the different things that they bring, especially with both of those guys, they really move the offense well. They move the ball. Um, they can both shoot, um, you know, catch and shoot threes at a, at a pretty decent rate. And so, you know, those guys are, are definitely a value. Season Bucks split their four games during the regular season, but Kyrie Irving, he played in three of those. Obviously, it's better for Milwaukee that Irving's not going to be out there. That goes without saying. But does that kind of render their earlier meetings pretty meaningless, at least a few of those, or does it make it trickier in any way to game plan for Boston because there is more of the unknown now? Uh, I don't know if they're, if they're meaningless. I think there's a lot of things that you can still take from those, um, but they're, they're different now, for sure. Um, and it's going to be, 
going to be different because, I mean, you even look at the, the matchup just a couple couple days ago, you know, the, the Celtics were starting their fifth-string point guard. They had hmm. all, you know, all those guys were out. And so, you know, you, you can obviously know what, what sets are going to run and things are going to do and, and which guys that you need to watch and which spots and, and what those tendencies are, uh, especially for guys like Tatum and Brown and Horford and, you know, that whole crew. Um, but, you know, the playoffs are going to be different. I mean, it's going to be a, a totally, um, you know, not new look, but it's just a, a new level of, of intensity. And, you know, obviously teams are going to change and develop and adjust to each other over the course of the series. And it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Greg Monroe has really come into his own lately. He's certainly playing better than he did for the Bucks. Does he have an advantage knowing the other locker room, or do the Bucks get that check mark? Well, I, I think he just has the advantage in the sense that the Bucks don't have anyone who could stop him. And I think he knows that um, just from, from having been in Milwaukee. I mean, he's he's such a physical force um, at center. You know, the Bucks don't have big physical centers. I mean, John Henson's more of a more of a finesse guy, along you know, a long, you know, shot blocking uh, big, but he, he's not going to body up uh, with, with Monroe very well. Uh, over the course of uh, you know 20 minutes a game or something like that, you know Tyler Zeller is is more solid, but he's not you know at the same level of physicality as Monroe. So I think you know the Bucks have to make sure. I mean they they know him, they know his moves, and they know what he likes to do. They know his tendencies. They played with him before, um, but it's going to be um, interesting to see how he fits into the series because you know he he could have such a you know a, a, a potent. Um, he could be such a potent force on offense because of his unique set of skills and his size um, that, that you really don't see often in the NBA. Could he be an X factor just in the sense of, of how bad the Bucks are on the glass this year? Oh, for sure. I mean, the, the Bucks, you know, they rebounding has been a challenge for them all year. I mean, they, granted, they don't really try to get offensive rebounds, um, <laughs> but they prefer to get back on defense. If you're not in the paint, basically you're getting back. Because uh, they they don't want to be yeah burned in transition, um, so they'd rather get back, set their defense, and you know be able to to have a chance to stop you in that way instead of giving up transition buckets. Um, so you know, but at the same time, they they're not a great rebounding team. They give up a bunch on the defensive boards um, on a consistent basis, and yeah, Monroe can definitely be uh, an X factor uh, in there being physical getting space, fighting around uh, box outs, and, and getting rebounds to give Boston extra chances on the offensive end. Well, I'll leave you with this prediction. What do you have? What do you think? Oh, boy. Um, I'm not really sure which way it's going to go. I just have a gut feeling it's going to go seven. Don't want to pick the hometown team, though? No, I I, I think uh, if, you, if you go on Twitter enough, you'll, you'll, uh, <laughs> you'll see Bucks fans have a thing that they say never trust the Bucks, And uh, they're generally right. <laughs> Uh, trusting the Bucks is, uh, has not been a, a safe thing all season. They're the kind of team that the whole year watching them every game, I never know what they're going to do uh, going into a certain game. I mean, you would think that against certain teams, you'd say, oh, yeah, this, you know, the Bucks are better than this team. They'll definitely win. And then they, they lose by, like, 32 to the Mavericks. Like, you're just not ever really prepared for, for what they're going to do. So, um, I, I'm at least I'm basically, you know, sleep. I'm not ready to – uh, turn around and, and, and pick a winner, but I think this one, we're in for a long series. This one's not going to be over quick. 
All right, should be interesting. Matt Velasquez covers the Bucks for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Matt, thank you very much for taking the time, and uh, maybe we'll see you around Boston. All right, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. Thanks again to Matt. Some fascinating stuff there that, uh, you know, I'm just really, really interested to see how this series plays out. But let's go right to you. We'll sneak in one Twitter question in the interest of time. It's from Rock Mom. What is Brad's strategy going to be for bench scoring until Smart returns? Seems like they need someone other than Morris to score some points. Too many leads being lost when the bench comes in. Well, you know, we kind of talked about that at least a little bit with Gary Washburn, which is it's going to be a committee. You need to get scoring, whether a starter or off the bench, from a little bit of everywhere. There are going to be some games. You know, it's not like when they were fully healthy and you had Kyrie Irving, guys like Marcus Morris were coming off the bench, which now you just have to feature him more than you did before. You knew you could look to Terry Rozier, to Marcus Morris, to a Greg Monroe, guys like that off the bench to pile up some points for you. Marcus Smart as well on occasion. Now, many of those guys are going to be starting. So on the bench, it becomes a Greg Monroe, who could be something of an X factor in the series. He could even maybe find his way into the starting rotation at points in the series. And look, if Brad Stevens can start Gerald Green in the playoffs last year because he likes a matchup that he can take advantage of, then it's it's not out of the realm of possibility by any stretch against a team that's so dismal on the glass and doesn't necessarily have a ton of answers for a guy like a Greg Monroe that he could be starting in this series. So stay tuned for that possibility, certainly. But that's one of those types of guys. And Shane Larkin's going to take on a larger role and so on and so forth down the line. This team is just going to need a little bit out of everybody, a little bit more than what they're used to doing. Even a guy like Aaron Baines, if he's starting or if he comes off the bench, is going to have to not do what he did against the Nets, but give you a little more offense than you're accustomed to seeing from him. So that's more than enough to kind of wet our whistle for this series, right? To just get us going, get a couple games under our collective belts. Game one is coming up Sunday afternoon, one o'clock at the Garden. As Gary said, C's need to be strong right out of the gate and take one and try and punch this Bucks team in the mouth and show them exactly who they're dealing with, and that can help set the tone for this series. Once again, episode 258 powered by Casper. Go to casper.com slash Celtics and use the code Celtics for $50 towards select mattresses. That's $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash Celtics and using the code Celtics at checkout. Thanks again to Gary Washburn and Matt Velasquez. Thanks to Nick, to Larry, to Evan, to everybody at CLNS Media. Most of all, of course, you. We always welcome your feedback. As I always say, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. If you subscribe on iTunes, you will be alerted immediately when new episodes post. That is the best way to find out. I mean, you can follow me on Twitter, at Adam M. Kaufman, and I will always post links to this show. You'll get different versions of it tweeted constantly. But subscribe. That is the best way. Then you don't have to be annoyed by my constant posts, and you can just go directly to the source because new episodes are going to be coming at you fast and furious throughout what is hopefully a lengthy playoff run, not just a four or seven game series against the Bucks. Okay, so we certainly appreciate you leave us ratings, five stars if you're feeling generous, comments, whatever it may be. Positivity is great, but if you have constructive feedback, don't hesitate with that as well. We just want to hear from you. And again, you can get me on Twitter at Adam M. Kaufman. So subscribe on iTunes, and I look forward to, even in the playoffs, hopefully hearing this Gino at some point in the postseason. All right? Second season. It's here. This time. This is the stuff that really counts. This is what we're excited about, and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. I'm Adam Kaufman. Talk to you soon. <laughs>